Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this day for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your peace and your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for every family that forms part of this world-changing vision at Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the uh, revelations of your word that we can see your heart. And, And we just want to offer you that which you're seeking. We want to be found ready at your coming. And we know that this world is growing ever darker and confuse, confusion and disorder and disruption are normality of the day. But we pray, O oh God, that we would stay the course and stay in the land of promises and believe you and walk in obedience and fear of God and inherit the prosperity and the success you have for us. Open our eyes and let us see the blessing it is to walk in the light of your instruction. And we give you thanks, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, in our families, in the men, the women, the children in this house. And we pray, Father God, that there would be huge inheritance of peace and joy and prosperity upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We are in Genesis chapter 26, and... um, This is, again, another snapshot of the spiritual principles that we face on a daily basis. And uh, like I told the men on Monday night, it seems to be the order of the day is not necessarily wake up every morning to the joy of prosperity and the perfect reality of, 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 you know, the benefits of our lives. It's very normal for us to take the spiritual temperature and gauge the land as it starts in chapter 26, verse 1. It's not unusual for this first verse to describe as the setting of there being a famine in the land. Um, Actually, if you're in a non-godly and carnal state, none of us would choose to be in a famine land. Uh, No water, no food. That's what it means. A desolate wilderness. We have the men, I want to tell you, I'm I'm so proud of the men that are coming out. God is raising up warriors. I, I I really see these men fighting battles on every front to become spiritually savvy and prosperous men. Um, in this famine land, besides the first famine, so it's not something new, that was in the days of Abraham. So in the days of, of Abraham, the father of Isaac, uh, there was a famine. And now in his son's lifetime, there is hardship. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. So um, we always see... Uh, a movement in a direction in the midst of famine. And knowing where to go in the midst of hardship determines the result. Very important. A lot of people, because they go through hardship and famine, are led to just go with the flow of whatever the influence is. But 
I want to say that every time in my life that there's been a hardship and a desert wilderness, God has pointed me in the opposite direction of my feelings. Otherwise, I would be sensual. I would move into where it's easy, where it's convenient, where I don't have to go against the flow. That's not God. God will always say, hey, in the midst of hardship and famine, move in my direction. Think like I think. Feel like I feel. And so I, I, was, I was telling someone this week, as they describe their situation, they're seeing inconvenience. They're seeing hardship. They're seeing darkness. They're seeing a lot. They're feeling. They're, they're in a climate. And, and it, I want to get out of this. And I'm just like, don't, don't move. You're in the perfect place. God is doing something. You don't want God not to do something. So here, he starts moving in a direction according to the elements. But every time we start moving in the direction according to the elements, God will be faithful to appear, verse 2, as the famine is real, as he's moving, the Lord appears and said, do not go to Egypt. Don't think like a worldly person. Don't feel like normal. Don't walk in your human nature. Put on the spiritual man. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Go seek godly counsel. All these things that come, the Lord appeared. Don't go to Egypt. Egypt being a sign of the world, of, of, of convenience, of, of access, of provision. Live in the land which I shall tell you. In other words, stay put in the place and in the direction I'm leading you. Now, listen, there's two types of people. There's wise people and there's foolish people. The wise adhere the counsel of the Lord. The fool has no appetite for wisdom. So you could point the direction you want the fool to go in, and he is not going to go there. He is not. And, and that's what will determine the ultimate outcome of different people. There's two types of people on the earth. Those that listen to God and those that don't. Do you know a third type? You're either listening to God or you're not listening to God. So in this particular instance, I want to tell you that I have a, a favorite verse. And it's coming up, but I'm, I'm not going to share it right now. But here goes. Isaiah 31.1. This has been God's counsel. This is the book of Genesis. But you go all the way to Isaiah and God says what happens to those who have natural, sensual, earthly, carnal thoughts. Woe to those who go to Egypt for help. Woe to those who rely on horses and who trust in chariots because they feel that there are many. That their strength is in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look for the Holy One, nor do they seek the Lord. Now, now this is, you know, this is the sad part about walking into the presence of God. You know, David says, you've examined me from head to, to toe. You know where I'm at. I can't hide from you. I'm, 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 I'm spot. Uh, we used to say when we were young, you got busted. You got busted. God already called your number. You're walking in the ways of the world, in the strength of your own counsel, and not... 
You do not look for the Holy One. You do not look for what God is leading. You have no, you have no ability to give weight to God's counsel. Do not go, he tells Isaac. The Lord appears to him in verse 2. Do not go to Egypt, but stay in the land which I shall tell you. One of the, one of the aspects there in verse 2 that becomes a problem in our Christianity that we can't stand. Let's go to Genesis 26.2. Stay and live in the land of which I have told you. God doesn't tell you. He's like, well, if God's not going to tell me, then I'm not going to stay and listen. Because we want to hear what God says so we can weigh it against our counsel. And God says, no. I will tell you when you have the walk in faith to believe that what I tell you each step of the way is the step that you should go. It's a walk of faith. The righteous shall live by faith. I've, I've had many people in my office tell me, give me a blueprint and a roadmap of what's going to happen next so I could decide if I'm going to do it or not. And I'm like, listen, the way God works is he'll speak to you in, in the capacity that you take a step. Hey, tell me which way you want me to go. No. When, when, I, when I see you taking a step in the direction I want you to go, I'll give you the next step. And then the next step. And the next step. I'm not going to give you the whole route all up front. This is what happened uh, to them in the promised land. It's like, you brought us out here to kill us. Why don't you show us where we're going? No. This is, a, this is are you going to obey? Are you going to inherit the land? So, but we, we have the clear description, verse 2, do not go down to Egypt. Everybody got that one, right? Is it Madonna? Walk like an Egyptian? Walk like an Egyptian. Huh? Bangle? The bangles. The world wants you to walk like an Egyptian. Wants you to talk like an Egyptian, to think like an Egyptian. To be in fear and to be subservient to the flesh. To walk not spiritual. The Bible says to uh, be carnally minded is death, is destruction. And, and, and many times we say, well, I'm going to think like this, but nothing. Listen to me. To be spiritually minded is peace and abundant life. Verse 3, do not go to Egypt. Stay in the land which I tell you. Dwell. Why, why would God want us to stay put where he tells us, if you live in this land, I will be with you and bless you. For to you I have promises to your descendants. I give all these lands which I perform an oath which I swore to your father Abraham. To Abraham your father. In other words, the strength in God is not in our own wit and wisdom. And God's game plan in verse 4, he says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. If you follow me, I have prosperity and I have, I have success. I have uh, I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. For if you miss it, he's not talking about pumpkin seed. He's talking about sons and daughters. And he says, if you stay in this land, I can, I can address you 
in my order as I have ordained. In other words, the family structure, marriage, sons and daughters, everything that involves a home, he says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Genesis 18, verse 18 tells us why. Abraham will keep my commandments and teach his children. Surely I will make of Abraham a great and mighty nation. A nation. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19, because I know him. He will order and command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do what is right and justice that the Lord might bring to pass upon Abraham all that he has spoken. In other words, if we honor, if we're able to instill the principles of what governs family and embrace it, that's God's game plan for prosperity. And that becomes a blessing to all the nations of the earth. When I sat there uh, this weekend in Peru, and, and, and I call Yvette forward, and I tell people how God wanted me to meet Yvette, and how he wanted me to have my father's blessing, and how he wanted us to form a marriage covenant, and not have sex before marriage, and I start sharing the ways of the Lord. People are like, really? You could actually do it? I go, Yeah. And look how happy we are. And it's been 21 years. And, and our kids are joyful. And there's peace. And there's prosperity. And there's blessing. Not because we're special. But because we've kept the commandments of the Lord. And he says there in Genesis 26 and verse 5. He says, because Abraham obeyed my voice. And he kept my charge. And he walked within my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Could I ask you a question? Could we walk different than the Lord wants and be peaceful and prosperous and healthy and fruitful? And every It's impossible. Because if, if not doing what God says gives you the same result as listening to God, we're wasting our time. So there's a distinction with those that fear God. I was just talking to my niece before I came out here. I said, Mamita, I'm going to call her Mamita, ready? Here goes. I said, the only way this works is if we really walk in what God has said. And he's faithful to show us how to do it. But we all have the capacity to, to not do it and to walk away from it and say, I think it's too radical. I think it's too, you have the choice. As you're young, your parents choose for you. But when you're old, when you're older, you have to choose for yourself. I'm going to obey his voice. I'm going to keep his charge. I'm going to follow his commands. I'm going to walk in his statutes. I want laws to be in my life. I'm not going to be lawless. I'm not going to be without definition. I'm not going to be tohu and bohu. For those that are listening, they don't even know what we're talking about. But they'll find out. Verse 6 is my favorite verse in this chapter. So Isaac stayed put. I wish we had the capacity to obey with that diligence. The word of the Lord comes and you obey. God stretches out his hand and he explains to you what he wants and you stay. And you, you, you no compromise. And I was telling my, my niece that that's, what, that's the stance and the posture I've taken 
since I was single and, and, and young. Because I didn't want any possible chance of living the nightmare of not doing it God's way. I didn't want it. I didn't want to have anything to do with a divorce, a separation of, of child support, of step-parents. I didn't want that. That's, that's what our family knew all along. And so to be able to say, so Isaac stayed in Gerar, the land of promises. All he had was God's word and he had God's promise. How many say that that's enough? That's enough. If God's already spoken and explained it to us, it's enough. I don't have to sit there and do anything or see anything else. The response of obedience, the decide to follow God, to move towards his plan. And then verse 7, it says, Then the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, She's my sister, for he was afraid. She is my wife, because he thought, Lest the men of this place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. And when what I write in verse 7 is the fact that our father's frailty often becomes our son's vulnerability. This happened to Abraham in Genesis 20, verse 2, where he too was approached and said, Sarah is my sister. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So years later in chapter 26, now Isaac is doing the same thing as his father. And we really have to be careful with the father's disposition and how it makes our sons walk in the same apathy and difference in the same weakness and vulnerability and fears. Um, in our family for, for ages, we could go back to our grandfather and, and great uncles and all these, these men, and you see how whatever they live becomes our reality just passed down from generation to generation. And here we see that Isaac is caught up in the sins of his father. Now it came to pass, verse 8, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through the window and saw that there was Isaac, and he was flirting with Rebekah, his wife. Verse 9, Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, this is not your sister, because we don't flirt with sisters like that. She is your wife, so how could you say she's my sister? And he answered, because I said, lest on the account of her I die. So Abimelech said, what is this you have done? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and we would have brought guilt on us. God would have judged us. So Abimelech charged all the people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And I want to, I want to make a transition here to verse 12. Because I think it's very important. In the land of famine is not the land to do nothing. A lot of people says, well, things are not going right with me. Everything's against me. It hasn't rained. There's no water. There's no food. There's no harvest. There's nothing. And guess what? That is prime opportunity to begin to do what he did. He began to sow in the land. And because he walked in the principle of sowing, he began to reap that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. What does this mean? A lot of people say, Things are not going the way I want them to, so I'll sit here and die. And I tell them like this. I said, look, when things are not going the way you want them to, begin to walk in the direction and sow the seeds of what you want to see in your life. Very important. In Genesis, we read chapter 8, verse 22, that God sets a law upon the earth. And he says, as long as the earth remains... As long as we're still on the earth, 
There's a season of seed time and harvest. What's a seed time and harvest? A lot of people show up to, at church with horrible harvest. And they're like, Pastor, look at this. Everything in my life is horrible. And it's crazy. And it's out of whack. And it's chaos. Hey, psh, time out. Amen. Everything is out of control, but that's a harvest of something you planted a while back. Start planting different seeds, and you're going to get a different harvest. They didn't teach us that. They didn't teach us that. We grew up, we grew up seeing a whole bunch of horrible things and saying, oh, my future is dark. La vida una cajita de sorpresa. And what's going to happen? And you're like in the future, like I don't want to go to the future because, listen to me, while the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. So you got a horrible harvest. Maybe your, your whole childhood was horrible. The harvesting of what your parents and great-grandparents, the seeds that they planted, treachery, no fear of God, no word of God, no presence of God, no Jesus, no Holy Spirit. And so your life became un yogur. It became upside down and a nightmare. But you say, no, I just want to end life because I could tell that, no. Now because of what happened in the past that you harvested, now you sow different seeds. And guess what? There's going to be a harvest time on the seeds that you sow. And it's going to be glorious. And it's going to be powerful. So there it is, the principles of, you know, a crazy man would sow some seeds, reap a harvest, and then sow the same seeds. That's a crazy man expecting a different result. Listen to me. If you don't change the seed, you get the same harvest. So we have hope in this, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God's not going to be made fun of. You can't hide things. Do not be deceived. Don't let the devil deceive you. If you have bad seed and you have a bad harvest, you better change your seed. Because the Bible says, if God will not be made fun of, whatever, say with me, whatever. A man sows, that he will also reap. And so I, I'm freaking out seeing some people receive a harvest that's not good and then go and, and plant the same seeds. Expecting things to go good is not going to go good. It's not going to go well. Matthew 17, 20, when I read this verse and I first got saved, I didn't understand it. This is, uh, this is one of those verses that always drove me crazy. Because of your unbelief, surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I was like, what? Somebody get me a mustard seed. And let me, let me, brouhaha, abracadabra. And, and you think that the whole issue is the magic of a mustard seed. And he says, no. It's the smallest of all seeds and produces a huge harvest. So faith is something you cultivate. It's not brouhaha, magic, abracadabra. It's not all the little magic stick and all of a sudden, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Move the mountain, move the mountain, move the mountain. No. It's about taking the process of sowing and reaping, cultivating. Well, you know, when he says that the Lord in Genesis 1.28, he says, he blessed man and he said, be fruitful. Let me ask you guys a question. Does anybody here ever seen a fruit born without a seed? Never. It takes a seed 
to be put in land and water and taken care of to have fruit. So the Lord wants us to, and, and that verse says like this in Matthew 17, 20, it says, whatever you do will not be impossible. That means if you cultivate the, the right seeds, it says nothing will be impossible for you. What's that mean? My friend, learn how to cultivate a harvest. This is not magic. It's not sorcery. It's not brouhaha and pixie dust. This is be faithful, tilling the land, plowing, cultivating. And so there, when he did that, verse 12, Genesis 26, 12, when Isaac sowed in that land, he reaped in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. We cannot have a harvest of sweet fruit, fragrance, and, and, and those that glorify his name when we have a rotten seed, when we, we despise the law of harvest, seed time and harvest. So here it is, verse 13. This is where the man begins to, Isaac, the man began to prosper. I love this, love this. I already said what was my favorite verse in this chapter. So this is not my favorite verse, but I love this principle that God takes you Ephesians 3.20, what's it say? Exceedingly, say it with me. Abundantly above. God is taking us to the high road, to the highest mountain. He who is able, say with me, he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's working in us. So that verse 13 in Genesis 26, you see the three levels of prosperity. How many want to become prosperous? That's a level. How many want to continue prospering? That's a level. How many want to continue prospering until you become very prosperous? Those are levels. For who? For me and you. For us. For those who stay and listen to God. For those who walk where God wants them to walk. Where they stay where God wants them to stay. There, that is the, the highest high. It's the prosperity and the success of the Lord. Proverbs 10.22. It's not your wit. It's not your ability. It's not your, um, your capacity. It's the blessing of the Lord makes one wealthy. Without sorrow. Without sorrow, without hardship. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't stand in the path of sinners, who doesn't sit with those who scorn. Verse 2, but he meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. His meditation, verse 2. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates day and night. Verse 3, he'll be like a tree. We've talked about a planted tree, right? A seed. He's going to be like a seed. It's having water by the rivers of the water. So therefore, it brings forth fruit in its season. And people want to have a harvest right now. No, it takes a seed and water it and wait for it because it shall come. The right seed in the right place at the right time. If you're not willing to do that, don't expect a harvest. Whose leaves shall not wither, whatever he does shall prosper. 
shall continue to prosper and shall become very prosperous. And so that is the expectation I have in my heart. That those who do things like God calls for them to do will walk in a prosperity that will be untold. It will be a dream. Verse 14, for he began to have great possessions. Genesis 26, 14. Genesis 26, 14. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great number of servants. So everyone who surrounded him became envious. And, and what are they saying? What do you guys think that the, those that surround him are saying? Why does he prosper and we're stuck in a famine? Why is he blessed and everything's going right with him? Guess what? Because he's keeping the way of the Lord. He's staying put in the land of Gerar. So what did they do in their envy and jealousy? Verse 15, the Philistines began to throw sand and fill his wells up with earth. Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, and they had filled them with earth. What is this a concept to? Um, the concept is that those who are earthly-minded become corrupt because they only see what's in front of their eyes. They don't see the faithfulness of God. They don't see the hand of God. And so Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 says, there are still some that are enemies of the cross of Christ who walk contrary to the teachings of the Lord. He says, brethren, join in my example and note those who walk as you have us as a pattern. People say, oh, pastor, I want to have a marriage like yours. Well, then do what I do. Oh, pastor, I want to have children like yours. Then do what I do. Pastor, I want to have a ministry like yours. Then, then follow my example. Nothing's keeping you from it. That's why God gives you a pattern. And Paul is saying they have a pattern to walk to get the results. Verse 18, he says, but many, say with me, many. many. Not many, many. Many walk of whom I've told you often, and now I tell you with tears in my eyes, and I cry, they have become enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, what the heck is an enemy of the cross of Christ? Someone who calls himself a Christian and is walking like a worldly person, like a non... Verse 19, he says, they whose end, the end is not going to be blessing and prosperity and continue, is destruction. What's the opposite of destruction? instruction the opposite of destruction instruction god is their belly they do what they feel oh i don't know feel whose glory is shameful because they set their mind in the gears of earthly understanding what are they doing they're running to egypt they're thinking like an egyptian they're talking like an egyptian they think of horses chariots i was going to be my strength no god is your strength and his ways are your prosperity so they begin to fill up the wells with earth, verse 15, Genesis 26, 15. They filled it with earthly thoughts. They set their mind on earthly ways. Genesis 26, 15, they had filled these wells. So what do people that think godly, what do, what, what, what do people that think godly, what do they hear from people that don't think godly? Verse 16, stay away from us. Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. You're living in a realm 
that, that is, is, is too intense for us. We don't understand what it is to trust God. We don't understand what it is to stand and listen to his voice and his counsel. Separate yourselves from me. Verse 17, then Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Jeror and dwelt there. And once your father is a well digger, verse 18, Isaac dug a well. Again, the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. I'm going to speak like my father speaks. I'm going to live like my father lives. I'm going to call things by their name. I'm not going to play around. I want the, this is what we always say is that when children are able to say, I want to serve the God of my fathers. I want to follow in the footsteps of those who went before me. My son, Nick, when he's sharing, and several times in the past months, we've got, traveled uh, to California, and, and he tells the people, he says, I'm gonna do it the way I've seen my dad do it, because I want what he has. I want the peace, I want the joy, I want the blessing. And so that's what Isaac is doing. He's calling things by the names that his father had called them our Father's language must become our language. Verse 19, also Isaac's servants, those that he led, dug and found wells of running water. Even the men he was able to influence were already digging their own wells. Where is this taking place? In the land of famine. A man of God becomes a blessing to those that are around him. Verse 20, but the herdmen of Gerard quarreled with Isaac's herdmen the water is ours, so he called the name of the well Esek because they quarreled with him. They dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also, so he called that name Sitna. And he moved, verse 22, from there and dug another well. Listen to me. We're not to make excuses because there's difficulty in the realm of our walk in the Lord. A lot of people get caught up. I was talking to a young man today, I said, be careful you not get frustrated and walk away because of the contra uh, controversy and the quarrel. Don't, don't allow the devil to allow dissension and contention move you into a toxic rebellion. And verse 22 says, he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel with it. He got to a place where there's peace, so he called his name Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I am the God of your father. Do not fear, for I'm with you, and I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Verse 25, he builds an altar and called the name of the Lord, called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerard with Asuthath, one of his friends, and Physkel, the commander of his army, and said to, uh, this is when, when those that are in your life begin to witness the prosperity in your life. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you want to have nothing to do with me and you sent me away? Remember they told him, you're, you're much mightier than us, so let's not hang out together. Now they're coming. And verse 28, they said like this, and this is what I pray that people will tell us as we continue to pursue 
our walk in the Lord. They said, we have certainly, say with me, certainly, certainly. without a doubt, certainly seen that the Lord is with you. That is when we stand where God wants us to stand. When we stand there, then there's a witness and people are able to reference where they're at based on where we have stood. So we said, let there be an oath between us and you and let us make a covenant that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you, since you, we have done nothing, verse 29, to you but good and sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. You are definitely a man of God, a man after God's heart. Verse 30, so he made them a feast, and they ate and they drank. Verse 31, they rose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Verse 32, and it came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. Verse 33, so he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is called Beersheba to this day. The land of multiplied blessing. It says in verse 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, daughter of Bere the Hittite, and Bath, the daughter of Elon. These, uh, these particular women are a headache. If you look into the description of who they are, is darkness and terrorism and trouble. And look what it says in verse 35. And they were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. Um, we're not going to go there. But I can tell you that I love this verse. Because this is not supposed to be what gauges the descendants of God upon the land. These marriages and these relationships became sadness in the mind of Isaac and Rebekah. And as I was meditating on this particular verse today, as I was preparing, the Lord gave me Proverbs 17, 20. And it says there, verse 21, 17, 21, he who has a fool as a son has pain and the father of a fool has no joy. It behooves us to raise up our children after wisdom. Joy comes to the capacity that we're able to leave a legacy to our children to follow after the example of their parents. But if there's no example, then they, they cannot follow. Let's stand tonight. As we go through this journey of faith, we see that there's nothing different than our times and that these principles could be applied and that you, in the midst of those people that are going through hardships in our time, they can witness the blessing of the Lord upon you. They could witness your prosperity. They could witness your seal. Uh, we're not to run back into Egypt to think like the world. Um, that's one of the things that's taking place here on Monday nights with the men. 
almost every chapter that we are reading starts out with a huge problem. And you know what the men are doing? They're saying, bring it on, baby. We already know there's going to be a problem. What we need are champions. And so that, that sentiment is powerful because I can't think of a battle that God has not won. And I cannot think of a victory he doesn't want to give us if we follow him. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for the principles in them. May your word be our meditation day and night so that we might also flourish even in the midst of famine, that we might be blessed, that our children might be champions while there's many people out there that have not heard the word of the Lord and do not know the ways of our God. We pray and thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, our Commander-in-Chief, the Captain of the Lord's armies, that he will bring all those that obey him to the highest level and expression of your salvation for our lives. We pray that you would save our families. We declare that our children are descendants of God that will, will inherit the land and pray that you give us the courage to stay the course and stay in the land. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.